Hi, I'm Chris Sarandon, and welcome to Cooking by Heart, where we revisit the vivid memories of the food we grew up with and the people and the stories attached to that time in our lives. Today, I'm proud to have as my guest, Alex Vincent. Alex is a professional actor, writer, and audio engineer based in Tampa, Florida. Over the past 35 years, Alex has mostly been known for his recurring role as the legacy character, Andy Barkley, from the Chucky Child's Play franchise of movies, having portrayed this traumatized character in four films and in seasons one and two of the Chucky TV series. For his work in the original Child's Play, he received a nomination for a Saturn Award for Best Juvenile Performance. He's been appearing as a fan favorite at horror conventions and personal appearances for the last 20 years and is currently the owner of AV Productions Recording Studio in Clearwater, Florida. Welcome, Andy. I want to call you Andy, but you're not. Yeah. You're Alex. I'm, I'm, I'm quite used to being called Andy. In I'm my sure life. you are. I'm sure yeah. you are. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, one of the things I like to start off with always in these shows is uh, where we're from, because it has so much to do with uh, the family, with uh, um, uh, food, not only the native food of where you're from, but also what your family was like, where you were when you moved, etc. So let's talk about that first. You were born in Newark, but were raised where? I was actually not born in Newark. I was, oh, you weren't? I was born in Wayne. It said Newark on IMDb, like always, one of the many things that you can't correct. Then, right. then it goes to Wikipedia, and then it goes everywhere, and it's Newark yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think my mother was born in Newark, actually. But uh, I was born in Wayne General in North Jersey, Bergen County. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's where I grew up. I grew up in a really small town called Maywood, which bordered Hackensack. Um, this is a really small town, one square mile. Uh, had no high school. I went to Hackensack for high school. But uh, yeah, grew up in, a, in a, an Italian North Jersey family. Right. I noticed that yeah. your your uh, your non uh, uh, movie name is very Italian. Yeah, Lo Scial I was named after my grandfather Alejandro Vincenzo Lo Scialpo. Oh, that's a yeah. goodie, man. That's a beautiful yeah. name. Beautiful yeah. name. If I ever if I ever get into painting or something, I'll maybe I'll use <laughs> right. that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you're an artist. You you can you can do whatever you want to do with your name. Uh, so tell me a little bit about home life, what it was like when you were growing up, mom and dad. Yeah. Mo mom and dad, uh, were together right until child's play, mm. uh, right until soon after, uh, child's play one. But it was, it was my mom, my dad, my older half brother, which was my mother's son, Derek lived in the house. My older sister, Lara, which is my half brother on my dad's side, lived with us briefly but was always around and then my sister ashley who you've met you know on set was always yeah, there came, yeah. came with us to california i uh, was three years younger than me uh but yeah we grew up in a in a very um you know lower middle class i suppose house in uh in a small quaint suburban town we lived right next door to the police station <laughs> lucky boy or yeah, unlucky, which, depending yeah. on the circumstances. Well, yeah, I was lucky until I was a teenager. And right, that. right. No, I was. Uh, it was. It was a really small little brick, nice, cool, old feel building. And then over the years that we lived there, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and pushed us 
pretty much off the street. Right, right. Uh, which is which is the kind of ubiquitous story of many small towns in America. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it didn't it didn't actually take over our property. The house is still there, but it just became a massive uh, you know thing shadowing over our house. Mhm. Um and, and tell he, me tell me about uh, uh life at home before you became uh Andy Barkley. Um you know, I don't remember too much before. I was only six when well, we started yeah, all that. Yeah, but, true. But but you know, it, it was uh, it was a, it was a happy home. My family, my parents started to argue quite a bit um, in my earliest memories, so there was some stress there. Um, but but we still had had really nice Christmases and holidays and Sunday sauce and you know what was it? What was it like, sort of daily around the table? Did mom cook? Did mom work? My mom cooked, and uh, she was cutting hair. Uh, she worked at a, at a hair salon um, part-time, and then she actually moved that into the back of our house where she had a uh, sink and, you know, like her own setup right. Right. in the back of our house, and she would do haircuts there. Um, but she was a mother. That was really her, her job. Uh, good cook? Very good cook. My whole family, I mean, we're Italian and we're all pretty proud of uh, our ability to cook. But yeah, yeah. The tomato sauce, you know, was really, it was never gravy in my family. Ah. Um, but, but I've but had so that conversation with a couple of my guests because uh, yeah. uh, Adriana Trishani, whose family's from the, well, parts from the north, parts from the south, uh, and then also John Sebastian, and they both describe tomato sauce differently. Uh, yeah, yeah. John refused to discuss it as gravy, whereas yeah. Adriana, it was gravy all the time. Yeah, and I, I don't think any either makes you more Italian. It's just a different, <laughs> different, different yeah. feeling, I guess. But Sunday sauce was a big thing, a big um, unifier in my family. In both my uh, my small, you know, my immediate family, and also all the other cousins and and right. grandparents. It started with my my grandfather's sauce. And so it it came down from grand for came yeah, my, down from grandpa. My grandmother on my mother's side is a hundred percent Irish. My grandfather was a hundred percent Italian. Ah, uh, so yeah, it was it was all my my grandfather's recipe and his family's recipe, and then my mother made it fantastically, and then I make it pretty excellently too. I must ah, say. All right. Uh, yeah, I have a little a little video of on uh, Instagram of how I make it with a couple little little uh, family secrets. But yeah, it has it has you know the pork that has been cooking in the sauce all day long and falls apart. Meatballs, sausage, hot and sweet, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's always been uh, our our favorite meal. And kind of like when we know we're really celebrating, there, there's a pot of sauce being made. Do you still get together and do it? Yeah, sure. We're going to, my mother's making the sauce for Christmas, no doubt. Um, Christmas, usually she'll make, it depends, different type of pasta. It depends. Sometimes it's like a ziti. Sometimes we'll, we'll do something else and she'll make managot or something like that. Um, or stuffed shells. Stuffed shells is really the big one. Oh. Big jumbo size shells, stuffed yeah, shells yeah. with regat cheese. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's so it's really feels like family. That's the traditional family celebratory meal. Definitely. Um, be it be it Christmas uh, uh, or any, any holiday, any holiday, any holiday, uh, a different type of pasta might be involved with that sauce. Um, but we have a couple other ones, too. Like 
For some reason, we've always had lox and bagels on Christmas morning. Oh, our, our whole very, life. very Italian. Yeah, yeah. Lox, lox and bagels with capers and cream cheese. Oh. And red onion. Mm-hmm. Still like one of my favorite things to ever have for breakfast. And, Me too. And I, I, and I lived in North Jersey where the bread is the best in the world. I, that's not even an argument. I, even better than Italy. The, the bread is just perfect in new york new jersey to to what do you to what do you attribute do you have a a, a theory well i mean I, I was delivering freshly baked bread in the mornings uh up up there for like a couple years for a company called grateful bread and uh I, artisan to, artisan artisan bakery or yeah no it was more like uh it was more like kaiser rolls and hot dog uh, uh, hot dog okay. rolls and hamburger yeah. rolls that i was bringing to to those spots but but yeah it would be rolls like fresh sandwich rolls and i i couldn't stop eating them first thing in the morning i don't know it's the density it's the it's the the flavor of of the bread for sure but it's just like the density like a bagel if you get a bagel in north jersey you can't get a bagel like that anywhere else it just doesn't it's not as crispy like that. It doesn't, uh, it's not as, I mean, your jaw gets tired eating one of those bagels. Yes, right. They do have a major <laughs> yeah. kind of consistency that's very yeah. uniform. But now better better than New York City bagels? Comparable. I mean, okay. I, I, grew, I grew up seven miles from New York City. So it's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's basically okay. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did a lot of cross-pollination. I know. I, yeah. we, did, we did one episode with my kids where they were talking about when they were young, now they're grown, obviously they're your age, uh, yeah. growing up, growing up in the city and remembering going to Zabar's and picking up uh, 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 locks uh, or smoked salmon and capers yeah, yeah. And, then, and then going to H&H Bagels, which was across the street from Zabar's at the time. Yeah, classic. Uh, and, yeah, perfect, perfect stuff. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so here we are in New Jersey in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. As you're so growing we'll, up, you were yep. born in what? 80... 81. 81, 82. I was thinking 81 yeah. or 82. A Andy was 82. I was 81. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I started auditioning in New York City when I was five. Um, I, I saw a girl who lived down the street from me do a commercial, and I saw her on TV, someone that I knew in person. Right. So, so then I just started auditioning for things and my, my family was, uh, my dad was a private detective. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he was busy most times and not available to drive me into New York city. So most time it was, it was my mom, but my dad mm -hmm. did drive me yeah. plenty, plenty of times. Um, and yeah, it's, I think about a couple things about that are unique. Uh, but like soon after I got child's play, like around seven, eight years old, she would just drop me off and I would go up to the thing and sign myself in and sit there and do the audition myself because she did, parking was like, oh, know, yeah, an extra, extra forty five dollars to park. Ridiculous. So, Ridiculous yeah. in New York City. Yeah. But let yeah. me let me let me just digress just for a moment. Yeah, because I, I want to hear a little more about what it was like around the dinner table, because you had you had uh, step sibling. And an older sibling, is that right? I did, I did. Well, my older sister, Lara, who was my my dad's daughter. Right, I remember she, Lara. She, yeah, she didn't live with us um, all but for like maybe a year. I think there was like a year where she lived with us, but. What was it like around the, around the table? What was the, what, what was the conversation like? 
Yeah, it was talk talkative. It was really like I, I my my mother and father both had you know rather traditional family values. So of course there weren't cell phones there, but if there were, we wouldn't have oh. been able to have them there. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, yeah. No, there was no TV. <laughs> They'd have gone flying flying across the room. Yeah, yeah. There was no TV. Um, it was just uh, it was really how, how's your day? I mean, my my mother was pretty big on like sharing and talking with each other um as much as we could so yeah the conversations were like what's going on you know what's going on in school what what did you do what how you you know yeah stuff like that i had an older brother derek who lived with us and uh you probably met derek too actually but derek was uh nine years older than me um so i he, i think he was a little more difficult to rein in for dinners at that point because he was you know a teenager mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, but uh, but but it was you know he was there plenty also. Um, and my sister, my sister Ashley, who was my age, her and I were really raised like as a pair. We were three 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 years apart, but you know we were pretty much a pair. Um, right, right. And and were you uh, was the town small enough uh, uh, when you were going to elementary school? There was an elementary school in uh, there was, Haywood. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kindergarten to eighth grade. I actually I went to Catholic school for kindergarten and then decided promptly that that wasn't for me. And <laughs> I and I and I went to uh, the public school there. There was one school on one side of town for first grade through third grade and then another side, fourth grade to eighth grade and right. uh, middle school. Yeah. Or middle school. More, more or less. Including, yeah. Including yeah. fourth and fifth, fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah, starting in fourth grade. Or maybe it was fifth, but fifth grade. When it was lunchtime, they would just let us out. We would walk up town. We would just go walk through the town to wherever we wanted to get food and come back. I mean, I, there's no way they're doing that nowadays. No, 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 no. <laughs> Letting no, no. fifth graders out, you know, just out and about. Oh, it's your hour to go do what you want. Right. So mom gave you lunch money? Yeah, she would usually give me lunch money. I, uh there was a time where I would bring stuff, but that wasn't cool because I didn't want to spend time in the cafeteria once you can go out. Right. Yeah, I would, I would, she would bring me lunch money. I, I was, I was trying to work a lot when I was a kid one way or another. Like I was always up to something that was making me some money one way or another. Like whether I was buying and selling baseball cards or convincing the baseball card shop to help me, let me help them for like a few dollars under the table or then I started work. I started working in a pizza place when I was like thirteen. Um, so yeah, I was always I was tried to make my own money too. But yeah, yeah, yeah junior, I, I, junior I entrepreneur and stuff. Yeah, and I had I had an allowance and stuff for a little while. Um, uh, yeah. Any other any other particular memories of things that were favorites of yours? that you would request that mom would make or snacks. Yeah. I, mean, I, oh yeah. I have a vivid uh, memory of coming home every day after school and making myself a snack. And I had a sort of lineup of things that I would eat. Anything yeah. like that? Well, one of, one of the things that I would ask for all the time were e frites, which are like Zeppelis, but with tomato sauce on them instead. It's just like fried, fried dough. Ah. I, and I, and I, I also was really dear friends with a kid growing up who was Hungarian. And I, and I spent a lot of time at his house and they made the ah. same kind of, they made the same thing that are e frites really, but they would just rub garlic on them and salt and they called them uh, langos. And then if you go to the fair, they put 
powdered sugar on it and call it Zeppelis. But it's all the same shit. So it's basically uh, it's basically uh, fried dough. Yeah, it's just fried dough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was one of one of my favorites that I would have coming home. Um, and she would she would make a few things. She'd make like little shell <clears throat> little shells with peas. It was like uh, like a butter sauce, like little like Ooh. little pasta shells with fresh green beans. Um, or no, not green beans, but peas, uh, fresh peas in there. And yeah, that was that was always a little tasty treat. Mm-hmm. I always remember I always remember my mother having a large glass of Diet Coke with a ton of ice in it, and I, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't limited on drinking soda, but I never really poured it for myself. But hers, that was really ice cold, was mm-hmm. always fun, fun to steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and, and was her approach? Because uh, uh, I know I've spoken to some people who, uh, a lot of folks who grew up with basically sort of meat and potatoes and overcooked vegetables. Was there a uh, was there a sense of, of freshness? Because I know that Italians as do Greeks, by the yeah. way, you know, yeah. put a premium on salad, uh, fresh vegetables, uh, cooked in their own way, obviously, yeah. but. Definitely. There was always, there was always salad there. There was, a, my mother grew, grew a lot of things too. Ah, would, she had a garden. She didn't have, she didn't have like a massive garden, but she did grow a lot of, uh, you know, like all of our like parsley she would put in stuff she'd always get from, from the yard and basil and, um, oregano too and yeah she was always kind of growing things like that but yeah there was a salad with most meals i was never i always had to be convinced to eat it but there were always vegetables there was oh and yeah always really fresh stuff we had we had a couple really good markets one that has turned into like the supermarket in 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 that area like mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't even mean a supermarket but i mean a super little market yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah maywood marketplace it's really like taken over people come from all over to, to go there um so so our town kind of cared about freshness and food too was the um, town was up. a was the town an ethnic town no well, our mixed. town was a very no it was pretty white oh really <laughs> May, May yeah, was, mine too. Yeah. was super white yeah um but but all the towns surrounding us hackensack was very mixed uh ethnically and and so and then you know then we lived near Patterson and Jersey City and right right over the bridge. So yeah, when I went when I went to high when I went to high school, it was a total mix of uh all cultures um which was great. I you know, I Yeah, yeah. That. We we all loved that. Um like we were all happy to be there after spending all that time in Maywood. Like we, we, were happy, <laughs> we were happy to meet. Maywood yeah. was beautiful, but yeah, a little multiculturalism was Yeah, a, yeah helpful i understand i understand so so we're 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 back now we're back now with mom parked or sorry sorry driving around the streets while you're auditioning you're going in and signing in the city she would let she would let me out at at uh for auditions and i would just go up there eight-year-old like in new york city just yeah. let myself up to these buildings and, and sign in and audition and then come down and wait for her <laughs> you know uh right but but it was when, not when you could we were, yeah, wherever I could. Yeah, um, it's not something we thought was strange at the time, um, but that's just how it was back then, I guess. Yeah, uh, I did a couple like uh, print jobs, and I did a couple commercials, and I was on like As the World Turns for like two weeks, and then I booked 
Child's Play 1. Um, and that was kind of changed everything at the time because we had never flown out for anything at all. They flew me there for right. the final. Right. They flew me there for my last audition. And then, and then we got it in. I, as far as I remember, we started in Chicago, right? Um, oh, boy. Finished in California. Yeah. It was the most, most freezing winter uh, of oh. all time. It was yeah. miserable. It was one of the coldest yeah. uh, experiences of my life. Yeah. And I yeah. grew I, I grew up in a town 2,500 feet above sea level where we had, <laughs> you know, three, four foot snow, snow, snowstorms yeah. uh, and going to school in the morning sometimes when it was below zero. So I, yeah. I you know, I was not exactly uh, uh, afraid of the cold. And boy, Chicago sure cured me of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very fearful. Yeah. So tell yeah, me, tell me, I, I, I remember very vividly the first time I met you. Yeah. Because I remember you telling me that you had seen Fright Night. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah, were was, how old at the time? I was six. Uh, yeah, I was six. And what happened was uh, I, I, I had booked the role and I knew that I would be working with you and I wanted to see things that you had done. I'm, hmm. I'm sure I watched something that. Catherine was in also. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I watched Fright Night and I have a memory of seeing it in like a theater setting. I, wow. I, 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 I had the VHS. I know that because I'm a big fan of that movie. I, mm -hmm. I have been since I saw it. It was the first yeah, horror yeah. film that I ever saw. And I, I was reflecting on that recently. Um, besides just meeting you, like knowing that I was going to meet you and work with you and, and seeing you on screen first and seeing your work. I think I did see a princess bride also too, by the way. So you weren't just horrifying Jerry Dandridge. Ah. Uh, maybe I saw a princess bride afterwards. I, I think you saw it out. afterwards. It yeah. After, yeah. yeah. Just the chronology in, in, in between yeah. the films. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, yeah, it, you were nothing like Jerry Dandridge on set, obviously. Um, <laughs> I but, not. but I, no, I, I, I was enamored with the film. Actually, it was the first horror film that I ever saw. And, I think it was really helpful because I think it kind of helped explain our objective to me and it helped me not be afraid of this doll. Not that I think I would, would have been anyway because I was enamored by the puppeteer's work and everything like that. But And you saw the inner workings. You didn't absolutely, see the, yeah, the finished yeah, product. Yeah. yeah. As I've been saying everyone, you know, when the, the doll stops trying to kill me when we say cut and we're doing the same thing 40 times in a row. Right. Uh, so it takes but, the fear out of it. Yeah, but, but but I I still think that it helped me because I I remember understanding and even talking with Margaret, my acting coach at the time, about after seeing Fright Night that it was like our job to make the audience scared. Uh, so it, it helped me, uh, you know. Andy had an innocence about him, regardless, but it helped it helped me emote fear a little bit and and be excited to do that. And and I kind of really enjoyed the concept of. We're going to scare people with this. And I think seeing Fright Night and then meeting you in person and no, it just helped me understand kind of what the process of a, the, the concept of a horror film was and, and why it was uh, effective mm -hmm. and it, how it, to help keep it effective. It's, it, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I think that I, I have grown to appreciate more as I'm now a grandfather at yeah. how... Um, how totally immersed children can be in something that should be frightening on the one hand, but on the other hand is very alluring. 
You know, oh, yeah. they find they find just that you you can't look away, uh, w- which is the sort of hallmark of all great horror movies. Uh, and and uh, it, it's interesting that you had such a to me at the time you had such a presence about you, and a, a seemingly self confident. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the way you felt, and I'm wondering where that came from. Um. I don't know. I was very confident then. Uh, you know, honestly, after Child's Play 2, when, when I ultimately decided to stop acting, that's what really fell apart for me was my confidence. Bit. But it definitely helped me uh, in the beginning of that. I don't know. I just mm. I just was. I was I was a smart kid. I felt smart. Yeah. Um, it was obvious you were very smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I taught myself how to read kind of with that Child's Play 1 script. I memorized all the lines, everybody's lines, even all of your lines. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I barely knew my line. Yeah. Yeah. Until, <laughs> until you know, Tom uh, made, made uh, revisions on it. And then I broke down crying that all my hard work. Oh, really? Was not. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so I wasn't that tough. But uh yeah, I, I was. I just. I. I felt comfortable there too. I think that really was a, a, a big help. Um, you know, I. I may, Tom has a reputation of on that particular experience being abrasive, and and I and I remember some of that as well. But he was also comforting, and so was everyone else there. Uh, especially, you know, you and C- Catherine and Margaret, my acting coach, really really made it um gave me confidence uh margaret margaret was really really helpful and and was in part two also Mm -hmm. i had you know i had kids so and they were there on set and i remember them and i remember going in the trailer um yeah i have memories of that yeah yeah and it it was it it was always interesting to me that you managed to have that kind of self-confidence and feel like that you belonged you seemed to belong from the first day but at the yeah. same time, you were still a kid. Yeah, you know, I never had a sense that you were uh, you were uh, a being forced into a persona right. that was not, you know, childlike. Right, and 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 not and also not being forced into the whole idea of being an actor it was my idea. Yeah, um, yeah, th- th- it genuinely was my idea. I remember having the idea. What was the? What, tell me about having the idea. What was what was the attraction? Do you remember? I I just thought it was super cool that uh, Sarah Maylet was on TV. It was my neighbor. It was a, mm. a, a, a person that I knew, and I thought it was super cool that she was on TV. And I also really loved stories and television um, and movies like right from super early age. Right. Um, I started writing my own little books and stories and, and, and uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I connected to the idea of making people happy by being on television. I felt like it makes people happy. Like it made me happy to see someone I knew on there. Right. Uh, Right. All these, all these shows that I were watching, were really making. I was a big fan of like Back to the Future and Michael J. Fox. I thought was the coolest, coolest guy in the world. And, well, he and, was. Um, he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure he still is. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it just seemed fun to me. The whole thing seemed fun. Um, 
and 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 that's that's why I was comfortable on set, and that's why I, I was we were happy to be there. And and you and, don't have and your mom, you don't. The, the sense that I get from you is that your mother was not a stage mother in that no, and that she no, was pushing she was, you all the time. Yeah, and she was clueless um, about what to do as, oh, really? a, as someone in that position. Yeah, she she my. My manager, my manager Sue from Suzelle Enterprises, which was really popular for kids at, at that time in New York, um, had to had to tell us everything, had to do everything. We we had no idea. We didn't grow up in a family like that. We didn't. We never moved to L.A. Uh, you know, we learned as we went for mm -hmm. sure. But but uh, no, we we had no idea what we were doing in, in the beginning of that. And I wasn't I wasn't really into plays either. Like it's not like I was doing all the plays in school. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. It actually worked differently for me because I was so young. I'm, I think I did like you know, kindergarten plays and stuff like that. But like w when I made Child's Play one in first grade, and I came back, I I, uh, I don't know. The kids weren't all that excited about it, so I didn't want to talk about it. It just mm -hmm. seemed annoying, and and because of that feeling uh and then that was compounded by the second film and and uh, all that stuff and my decision to stop acting but yeah I, I never wanted to do I couldn't do it I felt like there was too much pressure on me if I were to do it you know I was like a an actor in a, in a major film and then to come back and then do the eighth grade play felt like mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do it and I oh, shouldn't do yeah, it yeah yeah so you talked a little bit about this uh, this decision you made to stop with the yeah. second one. What 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 happened? Well, it was after Child's Play two. Child's Play two came out and it was really really great and and that was an incredible experience. Uh, you know you know Universal Studios. And I got to sit with Michael J. Fox in his trailer and have lunch oh and sit, wow and and sit in the actual DeLorean and walk through the set and everything. So it, the, that all was great. And then I came back from that. Uh, and you know, horror movies, especially in the '80s, were not a prestigious no it's piece of your resume. You mm -hmm. know that's changed entirely. But at the time, I think that was a factor. I think I know when they made the decision to not have Andy or, or to recast Andy as a 16-year-old in Child's Play Three. I took that really hard um, because you were how old at the time? I was nine maybe uh -huh. when i got that news mm -hmm. um, oh, and, and it didn't compute that they'd changed the chronology and so you weren't suited for the role it was more a it, personal you took it as a personal affront i wasn't sure honestly um i i, I knew that they were changing the story i got that but right. i'm sure i felt somehow at fault for it um I felt at fault for a lot of things. My parents got divorced uh, after after Child's Play. My brother got, you know, a um, little envious. And my sister felt ignored. Mm -hmm. uh, it it, yeah. it effect, affected my family in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and you think you 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 think that it had a direct effect on your family? The fact that you had been involved in the in the two pictures? Sure. Sure. I mean, I. I, 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 it's not, I don't think it was it's far from the only factor, yeah, obviously. Right. Uh, no, it wasn't, it's, it's it wasn't, much more it wasn't complicated. The, it, well, yeah, it wasn't yeah. the thing. But uh, yeah, there, there, was, there was a sense of that. There was, I, I, I did, there were arguments 
over things regarding that and the travel associated to it and the auditions and and also they took very different um very different positions in how they dealt with it i feel like my father was overly proud i know he was overly proud would tell everybody tell the waiter mm -hmm. tell the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cashier uh always having me sign things for people and stuff and my mother couldn't stand that he was doing that and didn't didn't like how I uh, was potentially developing some sort of arrogance about myself because of mm. it. So she would just kind of shut it down in rather harsh terms. Oh, really? Um, yeah, at times. Yeah. You mean in public? No, I mean, just no, just to me, like, like, it's it, like. She was just trying to keep me humble, honestly. Of course, is really no, no. what she was doing. Yeah, absolutely. As, as she as she should. And, yeah, and it, absolutely. And it was really helpful, and it's led to a lot of balance in my life having yeah. both of those. But but it was also you know a conflict of of emotions regarding the whole thing. Yeah. Um, that and also then then yeah, like I said, you start losing confidence. Uh, I think getting replaced, but in the Chucky thing, I lost some confidence. I also maybe because of all of these factors and not enjoying the attention that I was getting for it. Um, yeah, because when, like, when my father would do that, it would piss me off. Like, I didn't like oh, the really? attention. I, I didn't like, yeah, I wasn't the person to be like, hey, you ever see the Chucky movies? Like, I did not want to talk about it. In high school, it was really known not to talk to me about it because I would be a horrible asshole to you if you, if you weren't. Really? Did. Really? Yeah, I had an attitude about the whole thing for a while. And, um, and that came from, that's not who I am? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and 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 I I had left, you know, I, I had really no intentions of acting anymore at all. So I I I wanted to be someone different and be able to be someone different and not have everything tied into being Andy. Um, now I say this by the way; these these were feelings that I had when I was, you know, twelve years old to seventeen ish. Um, but a few years after that, like it, it took doing one convention and seeing how happy I, we've made people yeah, yeah. with this work yeah. that gave me an entirely new appreciation for all of it. And, and, um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but grateful and thankful for all of it. But uh, it took, took a long time to get there. It took a lot of work to get there. But you did then subsequently do more, more, more Chaz play films, more Chucky films. Yeah, well, well. So what happened? Basically, after after uh, I stopped auditioning altogether, I did nothing for years. And then in my early twenties, I a couple independent things offered me little tiny roles, like and I did that. Um, we, we I wrote a film for these guys over here, and they convinced me to act in it, and I act. It was a leading role in that, even though it was a small, no budget thing, but. I, I did realize that I, I enjoy it. You know, between between action and cut, I really enjoy acting. It's everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's yeah, everything yeah. else. Um, especially like the negotiation side of things, like that. I just hate that so much. It's well, because really it's so t so tied up with our self worth. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? And and it's your self worth is sometimes used against you. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so anyways, so, but what happened was, you know, when I was a kid in, in Child's Play 2, I thought Don Mancini was just the coolest guy in the world. 
Uh, I've said it many times, but like, yeah, he, he took me out to the movies. He had a blue Alfa Romeo. He was a, a writer. He was he was just a really. Uh, I just thought he was the coolest guy. So when I was able to like reconnect with him, probably around like 2009, 2010, something like that, we stayed loosely in contact. And then he got the uh, green light that he was going to make this Curse of Chucky. And he called me and said, uh, so I want to bring Andy, Andy back in a cameo at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I, d- despite any ap- apprehensive feelings I had about being an actor again and just even like simple things like the weight I would have to lose to do that. And like, you know, I don't even have headshots. I don't, I don't have, I, I, I really was not yeah, like trying, you were trying expecting to be on TV at all mm-hmm. uh, or on in film or anything like that. Uh, so despite any of that apprehension though, I didn't think twice. I just like, yeah, definitely. That sounds way too fun. I would love mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um, because after Child's Play 3, mind you, you know, I, I did have to just kind of be a, a regular guy, so to speak. I was, I'm still a regular guy, but I had to just be a reg- live a regular life outside of all of that. Well, Bride of Chucky came out and was a big hit and Seed of Chucky came out and I thought it was super, a super fun film. And and so, yeah, so by the time Curse rolled around, I was I was chomping at the bit to be back involved. Um, so, yeah, so Don just called me and and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was very excited to went to uh, Winnipeg for one day Ooh. and, and, and shot it. I hope not in the winter. So that was in the summer, but uh. a couple, a couple, four years later, cult of Chucky was all in January, February, and it rivaled Chicago. It oh was, really? Oh yeah. Uh, I like, hear Winnipeg is yeah. four, 45 degrees below zero and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, was, it was insane. Yeah. Uh, it, frostbite in minutes. It, it, it was, and, and and how crazy is that? Now this is 2017, literally 30 years after filming Child's Play One, and here I am playing Andy Barkley in the freezing cold again. Uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty wild, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it and it remains wild. I mean, the fact that I've been able to be a part of these past two seasons of this TV series when I don't do any other acting. Um, my acting coach from when I was a kid is now my manager and I sent out the first two auditions that I've done in 25 years or oh, whatever, wow. Wow. Uh, earlier this year, which was really just practice to kind of, yeah, yeah. so, no, it's so good. yeah. And, and it was fun. And, um, I find interesting though, that, that you are part of a tradition uh, of filmmaking that it, it, it has been used by other directors. There's the Richard Linkletter Boyhood uh, film that that shoots over a period of I don't know seven, eight, ten years, somewhere in there. I'm yeah. not sure exactly. Yeah. Uh, with the same character. There's the the Truffaut movies, uh, starting yeah. with 400 Blows, where Jean Pierre Leo, uh, 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 he he ages as the films progress, off for obvious reasons, but also yeah. because that's part of the 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 schematic. But these films were not necessarily created around you. No. Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, you have reappeared, and for, uh, particularly for those who listen to my sh- uh, podcast who don't are not familiar with the whole of you know the of the Child Play series. Sure. Uh, yeah. Can you explain how the character progressed and how your approach uh, changed along the way? Uh, how it affected you? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Andy Barkley and I have several parallels for one thing. I mean, my mm-hmm. earliest my earliest memories are of Chucky also. Um, for some of the reasons that I explained earlier about the effect on my life that it had, Chucky kind of was like like uh, over my shoulder. Like similarly to how he affected Andy Barkley, he didn't he didn't murder anybody mm-hmm. that I, that yeah. I knew and loved. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't trying to kill me, um, at least not literally. Uh, but his so, influence, his influence, was his influence there. was heavy, yeah. heavy, yeah. heavy in my life. Um, so, part one, you know, after part one, his family gets taken away from him, and he's in foster care, and and he's already rather traumatized. But the, the the events of that, I think, really left him with like full blown PTSD, and and Child's Play three, he's in military school, and it was played by a different actor. And I'll be honest, I I took none of his progression from that <laughs> into what I did in Good. Curse of Chucky. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like, none at all. Um, no, because the way the way I saw it with curse and really was happy to explore it in cult because that's kind of what I wanted, uh, um, told on. So, um, is that, yeah, the, 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 the trauma, the PTSD of surviving something like that and, and the obsession that was created because of it. Um, because that's really where Andy was when we find him in, 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 Curse of Chucky, even though it's not too revealed until Cult of Chucky, that uh, he's been obsessed with this his whole life. He's he knew Chucky would be back. Uh, he he knew he was never dead. I mean, it even goes back in my mind to that still frame ending of Child's Play one with Andy's face in the doorway. Mm-hmm. Everything that that says to me is Andy knows this isn't over, and and, and you know it's it's a, a funny one liner to say, but. W- Chucky's been saying we're friends to the end and he wasn't bullshitting. Like this, 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 go, this <laughs> right. will not, this will not end. Yeah. Chucky always comes back. And, and, and thankfully, um, thankfully the fans are still excited by me, the original protagonist play, coming back to play this character over and over again. Um, Cause I, I've played him six times now from the time I was eight until 41. Hmm. Which so, is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know many people who have, who have yeah. uh, gotten I an opportunity the, to do that. The only ones I can think of are are these films that I mentioned. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure there are more, but uh, yeah, it was. It, it's an incredible. Um, it's an incredible opportunity made even more uh, impactful to me in my life, based on the fact that I've been doing these conventions for 20 years, and I've met. I mean, I know you. You do. You've done. A lot of conventions I've done them with you. Brad does plenty of them, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, this is I, uh, I, Brad. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, the yeah. voice, the voice of Chucky and the original Charles Lee Ray in the first, yeah. the very first movie. Yeah, fantastic so, actor. Yes, go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so so we, we've all experienced this, but I've met so many Chucky fans over the years, like so so many. And for me, especially being that this is the only thing I'm known for. My connection with everyone who comes up to me is over that one movie. Um, you know, it, for for someone like you and Brad, th- there's a, a ton of films that have impacted people and that that they want to talk to you about. But for me, it's always Andy Barkley. It's always this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so my connection to 
I don't, a couple hundred thousand people that I've probably met. Um, it, it really makes, not only does it make it the responsibility of this character a little intense for me, but um, it makes my appreciation for the fact that I get to keep doing this all, all the, all the more um, strengthened and valid and um, rewarding. And, and it helps with my gratitude a great deal. I feel very much the same way, not in the particular way that you're talking about, but just yeah. in ge in general, because, uh, I, and I talk about this uh, often, that, uh, and I have a background in theater, so I have experience uh, with audience exchange, with the sense yeah. that the audience is part of the of the performance. But with films and television, you don't have that sense when you're on the set, and it's one of the great gifts that doing these conventions has given me, which is to give me the sense of what the audience audience's experience is like uh, doing them. And it's not that I necessarily personally feel responsible for their their love of and fealty uh, 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 to these right. films, uh, as much as it is I feel proud and humbled by the fact that I'm part of that experience. Yes, yeah, of course. I mean, both are true to a degree. That you have played some characters in films that, that it, that's what people love about the film. Yeah. yeah. Like, so there, 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 there is, there, there, yeah, there is, there, there is that, um, beauty of, of having that exchange. And nowadays with social media, obviously we can experience that a lot more. You're in, if you're in, on a TV show, I mean, I, I certainly felt at this time, like, the, the ride of watching it with fans and getting their, all their immediate feedback. Oh, how that's, cool. That's something yep. we never had yep. in the past, you know, before mm -hmm. all this, you couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 that would be the closest thing. I, I only did a couple plays in my whole life and I was little walk and rolls on that. I think a Christmas Carol, seven brides for seven brothers, maybe one or two more, but, uh, and they were really brief runs. I didn't like, really experience that but i i am envious of that feeling that that must be su such a, instant, a instantly gratifying incredible feeling yeah it's really extraordinary yeah yeah uh but but i'm also interested in uh as you're describing your journey through uh andy in all these movies that how the parallel with your life uh has um um manifested itself you know in a in a very sort of specific way and how uh for one of a better way of describing it how inextricably bound uh you and the character are yeah uh, and and, yeah. and the influence of this this <laughs> this non-existent being yeah. uh chucky uh who doesn't exist in in reality has been a part of your life for so long yeah well, I don't know. He's a little more real than <laughs> than people realize. <laughs> but, but but point taken. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I think that uh, I think that the influence that Andy has had on, on me, um, the the parallels of of Chuck Chucky over my shoulders, so to speak. Um, I, I don't want to say that they're all negative because they're really not no. all negative. It's right. a balance. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, is su it is such a balance. But as someone who's who started writing poetry and song lyrics when I was in like fifth, sixth grade and and have published six poetry books and I went to school for audio and I have recorded and 
mixed and mastered over 300 artist projects in the eight years I've had this studio. Um, and, and for any, any kind of creative endeavor that I have for a very long time, it felt like underappreciated, like no one's going to care. Um, and, and the beginning of social media actually made that really made that feeling all, all, all the more discouraging is because I would put something out there and, and I'd get more than half silly, chucky, anti responses to mm-hmm. it. And that just kind of told me what I always felt all along was that they just care about this character. It's not really anything so, else that I do. Nothing will ever live up to this character to people. So the curse of the curse of Chucky is real. The curse of Chucky's real. So is the cult, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the curse of Chucky did feel real to me. Um, now, I would say it's truthfully as abstract as this uh, imaginary character is because it's a uh, situation of my own making. I, I think it stifles my creativity a great deal. It has uh, damaged my confidence in a lot of ways. But there are, there are times that I get it back, and, and I I've still, I've still have put things out there. I still have intentions of putting a lot more out there. Um, well, it's um, one, of the, one of the things that, as I read your introduction, that I thought, yeah. good for you, and I don't mean this in a condescending way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good that you have remained an artist uh, and oh, yeah. as, a, as a writer, as a sound engineer, that you have other creative outlets. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It, is that, that that creative urge has to have some outlet or you, you will end up like uh, any number of people who have gone through the show business gauntlet and have come out, come out uh, highly uh, affected and, yeah. and uh, discouraged and and uh, non-functioning as a yeah. as a human being. Yeah, and, and let one alone of the, an artist. Yeah, yeah, and one of the yeah. senses that I've always had when I meet you at the cons, and that's the way we we've stayed in touch over over, yeah. over all these years, is yeah. that I've always had a sense that you are a young man and now a man moving into full manhood, uh, who is uh, who is fully formed. That there's yeah. not this sense of um, this this defeated, uh, 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 frustrated show business um, uh, a person who started out very young and then ended up uh, uh, the worst for it. Uh, right. I th- I think that you've become a much more rounded human being and an interesting guy uh, as I've known you over the years, and I I think you you should take that as a as a uh, um, not necessarily just because it's for me a compliment, but 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 the fact that you've accomplished a lot, and it's not yeah. just it's not just about child's play. Well, it does mean a, it does mean a lot to hear that from anyone, but it certainly means a lot from you as well, um, especially because yeah, it, it, I I do think that my mother did a lot right, my parents did a lot right. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Donna said that to me on multiple occasions, also. Um, and just being uh, being humbled by my maybe my mother's influence to a bit, but even just the experience I think was was humbling and remember i I waited tables for seventeen years I delivered mm-hmm. bread, I umpired yeah. softball, yeah, I worked at pizza places, I delivered pizza, I made pizza, I answered phones i yeah i i, I it did you've had terrible. a life I have yeah i have so so uh and, and, and I think the the travel 
and meeting so many people has a big impact on your ability to understand yourself and, and the world around you. Absolutely. Think, you know, I, I think that's been a, uh, a very interesting blessing in my life that, you know, I, I mean, I really, really am thankful for all of this. And, and, and even though I, I, I woe is me about things that, because there's balance in life. Um, I have to do that sometimes just to kind of, you know, not, not feel overappreciated and, and not feel like, like I can do anything or any, you know, like mm -hmm. you can't feel that way. You really need to, to, to bring yourself down a peg or two sometimes also. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I'm, I'm a very reflective person. It comes with being a, a poet, I suppose, but, um, I'm, I'm very reflective of my life. I think incessantly. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's helped me, um, it's helped me find balance in life. Um, it's helped me find appreciation and acceptance and, and, and where, whereas like the Chucky thing for years was something that I didn't want to talk about or, or ran from. And it's not, it's not just because I've found ways to make money with it in my life, but I fully, fully have embraced it, uh, over these years. To a point where I'm just so I'm so proud of it. I'm so I'm so I feel blessed that we've that Chucky's caught on the way he has for so many people, and and, and I also feel tremendous and uh, support and um, ha a, a sense of joy to be with this Chucky family for so long. Um, because that's also a really rare thing, you know, yeah, yeah, it going is going back it all is. the way to the first film and then scooping up people along the way, all the way until now. Um, <laughs> and these are all people that I, I admire and that have been impactful in my life. Uh, and, uh, I'm just proud to be in this family. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't conclude with yeah. the same thing I conclude with all my guests. And that is if there's one meal or one food experience or one event that had to do with food that you that's indelible in your mind from when you were a kid is there something that you would uh, yeah um e even if it's not there necessarily is. a meal at home or whatever but something that happened that that you associate sure. as we do sometimes with music or whatever there are plenty of there are plenty of uh, home cooked meal stories, I'm sure, but uh, I I found a love for sushi when I was young, really young. Oh and, yeah, how young? Yeah, six, seven. Oh, uh, you know, when, well, I was a movie star. Yeah, so I, was, I, was, I liked ca caviar and sushi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I remember a party at the Ruins in California that margaret hosted I don't, I don't know if you remember margaret and harvey her her husband harvey who is in the mighty echoes uh, a uh uh doo-wop group that's real popular she, she's a manager in la now she ended up mm -hmm. managing catherine for 30 years or uh, something wh like that. Wh what's margaret's full name margaret pollock okay yeah um i remember a party that she had there and them serving like sushi and caviar um and, and it wasn't just like, I, I, I guess it was kind of like a feeling of, not, not that because it's expensive food, but just that it, 
like accepted by people like the fact that I was there at that party made me feel kind of accepted by the cool kids. It felt like mm -hmm. is really the way I could describe it. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, it's just, I don't know. Sushi dinners in general, I get excited about. It's like my favorite food. It's what, where I go for my birthday every year. Mm -hmm. I'll go out mm -hmm. to, to a sushi restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, have, that particular time having like a buffet of, of uh, uh, seafood and caviar and stuff up on the ruins. Uh, oh, I, I, rem wow. I remember, I remember, yeah, really well. That's and, a, uh, that's a vivid memory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a super cool one. Margaret is my manager to this day and, and mm -hmm. just part of the extension of this family. Um, so, and, and I would also have to say in the same vein as that is, all the dinners that we go out to in Toronto with Jennifer Tilly and Don and this is for the TV Fiona, series. Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, they're really memorable. It's, it's just, it's not just because Jennifer Tilly's picking up the tab, which is a cool <laughs> thing, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's time with family. It's, it's the same exact concept as Sunday sauce. These are, these are people that have been in my life since my earliest memories um, and Christine, who's like one of my best friends. So yeah, so we're due for a dinner is what I'm saying. Okay, it's a deal. It's a All deal. Right. All right. Alex Vincent, thank you so much for contributing not only your memories about working as a boy and working through your career, uh, but also uh, just a wonderful kind of uh, um, heartening look for me at what an extraordinary man you've become since I've known you for just such a long time. So well, thank you so much. All right. And thank you for being with me. Absolutely. And I thank everybody out there for listening and or watching. Take care. This is Cooking by Heart with Chris Sarandon and Alex Vincent.